you can't see it, but um, KJ's cat just came on screen because we are doing like a video chat as recording, and it's super adorable. Yeah, the black cat, so it's um, appropriate for Halloween. Hello, everyone. My name is Mia, and welcome to Not a Young Adult, a podcast where I, an emotionally stunted 21-year-old, talk about what makes wise books, movies, TV shows so appealing to people of all ages, even adults. Now, everyone has their opinions on YA, but if there is one thing each one of us can agree on, it's that being a teenager is a horror movie. Maybe that's why there are so many horror movies about teenagers. That's right, folks. This is a Halloween episode, and it wouldn't be complete without one of my closest and oldest friends, horror aficionado KJ. KJ, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm... Hey Jay and I, me and I have been friends for like a very long time, actually. And way too long. Way too long. But um, and I'm huge into horror. It's definitely one of my favorite genres, even since I was a teenager. And I just continue watching that year round, and yeah, I just love everything about it for some reason, <laughs> which we will get into, of course. Like the obvious first question is, you know, like. As someone who does watch horror movies, like what makes horror fun for you? Like what makes it engaging for you? It's a very like fascinating genre just because it takes like all of your fears and just takes them to the extreme and makes it really scary for you. And when I was a teenager, I just really enjoyed being scared and I still do, even though sometimes a lot of the scary movies don't scare me as much anymore. I'm just kind of like, oh, this is just a movie. <laughs> um, but it's just fun to really also get into all the characters and who they are as people and what is about to happen to them. I also just really love a good final girl movie. I love final girls getting to the end, surviving through everything. And it's just always a good time. I'm like, hell yeah, look at you go, girl. <laughs> I feel like, you know, in cultures, like, you would usually think that, like, girls die first, which they generally do, but yeah. I always really appreciate the existence of, like, a final girl trope, like, a girl that's, like, cool enough to survive to the end. It's always a fun time. As a kid, I didn't really watch much horror because my parents didn't really want me to watch that sort of stuff, and I just sneak around watching scary movies with my friend at the time. What they would allow me to watch, though, is, like, Scooby-Doo and The Addams Family, and that was about it, which may not necessarily be like horror entirely, but they do have scary moments, you know. And I would even watch the Adams Family TV show, the black and white show. Um, I really loved that, too. And um, so in that way, that's how I started getting into it. And then you even have other horror movies for kids, like one that people talk about a lot is uh, Don't Look Under the Bed or the Tower of Terror. Those are more PG, family, children-oriented uh, horror movies, but they're still really good. I just watched Don't Look Under the Bed for the first time in years last night, and I was like, oh, wow, this is still really good, you know? Um, so there's always something for everyone when it comes to horror, which I think a lot of people don't realize. When I first started like watching more horror stuff, like, I could not handle anything like what got me through it was just like being able to like connect to the characters and like, you know, having mm -hmm. something to ground you. And since we're talking about teen horror, like I feel like having a horror like surrounding high school characters is a very, it makes it very easy to connect with them. Even if you yeah. don't have anything 
in common with the characters because everyone has gone through high school and everyone knows what it's like to be a teenager. I would hope that there are no 10-year-olds listening to this podcast, but if you are, I mean, good for you. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I get that completely. Like, I just I just think it's fun, it's, especially when you're watching high school students dealing with being high school students, first of all. And then they also have this scary thing happening at the same time. It's just like, oh my gosh, this is very like, especially when I was a teen watching teen horror movies, I would be very into it because I was like, holy crap, this could be me. (laughs) I mean, like digging deeper into that, like what has been your experience like watching, you know, teen horror movies? Like what's like the best teen horror you've ever watched? I really love the Scream series. Those are fun. So the first movie takes place in the high school with a bunch of teenagers. It's their senior year. And now they're, um, there's someone out there who's killing all the teenagers. And they have orders to stay at home, don't go out and party. So, of course, what they're going to do is go party. So, um, And it's just really entertaining to watch the whole series, too, because they do end up being in college in the second movie. And then they're all fully grown adults in the third. And then uh, the fourth one's really good, too. Um, and then they're also making a fifth one, which I'm excited about. Um, but um, so the first one is just very entertaining to me. I love it a lot. It's just a fun movie. Yeah, I mean, it kind of paved the way as like, I remember reading something about how like, they didn't expect it to do super well. And then it did do super well. And now like we see like, I think Fear Street did like a scream inspiration in the yeah. first movie um, with like, because it started off with like this, like, sequence of like this just this girl getting terrorized and there's also an mtv scream tv show that i watched a little bit because the girls are pretty and that's how you get me to watch horror things i also watched the uh tv series and i have like issues with it but also i'm just here for a good time like if you can give me a couple good scares or a couple good characters that i can get attached to i'm gonna keep watching it even though i had like moments of watching this show where I was like this is kind of boring but it's okay because I really like these couple of characters so I hope they survive (laughs) it's just very hard to do like a slasher movie as a tv show in general since you kind of have to because if you're doing a movie like you know you can like get a couple kills in there and then you'll always have the tension but like Mm -hmm. the tv show structure like you know you have to keep your audience consistently interested in if you're having like kills every single episode yeah at the pace a movie would they would kind of get bored of it. I feel like one thing I did like about the TV series, I think it was season three, they brought in all the new characters and new plot line. It still had the same, like, this is a Scream series, you know. Um, Here's the mask. (laughs) But um, it brought in a bunch of new characters. And I feel like if maybe they had done something like that for each season versus just season one and two being about these sets of characters and then leaving it off on like, I think it was a cliffhanger. I can't really remember what happened in season two. I'm going to be honest. It was just like a whole mess. They just messed up with the ending of season two, left it on kind of this weird note. And then, oh, season three, brand new people. So it's like, well, what happened to the other people? Tell us more about that. <laughs> like of all like the horror shows that like I've seen, like teenager or not, like the majority of them like are in some way anthology shows like yeah. they're like self-contained narratives like that at least the ones that um have been the most popular like american horror story and like the haunting series like those are very self-contained stories even then like a slasher movie it has like a very concrete ending in a way that like you know 
it's very hard to keep that that going. So I mean, that's why I guess horror franchises they often don't do as well after the first movie because like how many serial killers can one town have? You just saying that makes me think. So one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite slashers is Wrong Turn, which I do also have like issues with Wrong Turn in general, but I do still think it's a fun movie. I love it. But whenever I watched the second movie, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to pretend I never saw this because this was not remotely good and it kind of even ruined the first movie and the characters they had and the plot they had for the cannibal west virginian mountain cannibal inbreds <laughs> um they kind of just like ruined the whole plot for that and it just made it weird and i was like um i already no i'm not gonna talk about this <laughs> i'm like these movies don't exist in my mind because they just really completely ruin everything about the first movie. So I like to pretend it's just one. No other sequels. Yeah, but capitalism's going to get you, right? I know. It will. It will do that. <laughs> but if only they just left it at the one. I feel like that's often what happens. And oh, another thing about Scream, the S- Scream series I like, is they actually make fun of the fact that sequels typically fail or are terrible in their sequel which I love so much it is like the funniest thing listening to all the characters well one character specifically being like this is the sequel it's gonna be bad it's gonna fail and then it's a fantastic sequel so I was doing some research um before this because I do research for podcast episodes and there was this one article I don't remember like what is it exactly said. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was just like horror movies, at least these days, they have to be at least like a little like tongue in cheek or self-aware because like mm-hmm. we all know horror tropes so very well. So like if so like if characters aren't at least a little genre savvy, we're going to be like, what? Haven't they ever watched a horror movie or whatever? Yeah. And so like in some in some ways that can be great for them, like Scream, but in other ways, like it can really kind of like tie up the narrative because horror it somewhat depends on people making terrible choices and not being genre savvy at all yeah exactly like I think there's a way you can do really well with them making as characters making references to the horror genre and making jokes about it which I think Scream did really well Um, also the movie Freaky did that very well too (laughs) Um, I love the concept of Freaky like of course I feel like the most terrible thing for a teenage girl is getting switched with like a yeah. terrible hulking man. Like, yeah. That speaks to so many teen girl insecurities in like a weird way. Yeah. Way. And it's so funny, like even just watching the movie because when she, they do switch, so um, she's like very short teenage girl and then she switches with this super huge, tall adult man And she's just stumbling around and like running into tree branches and different things that she would have never had to deal with when she was just in her normal, normal body. Now she's just like, oops, let me smack into all these tree branches. (laughs) Um, And it's just like, in general, a very funny, campy movie, um, which I really like. And I'm trying to think of a movie I watched um, not too long ago where they tried really hard to be self-aware and make jokes about the horror tropes with their characters but they did an absolutely terrible job at it but I can't remember what the movie was because I watched way too many movies but 
when I was watching, I was like, okay, I get it. You're just trying to be like Scream or all these other movies that do this very well, but you are failing. You are not doing good at this at all. I'm like, I wish I could remember the movie, but sometimes just they want to copy each other and they do a bad job at it. I feel like the horror movie genre, it's like the genre is like self-referential and insular in like a way that like other genres aren't. You don't expect like a romance, a typical like romance movie to like be as like self-aware as all the Mm -hmm. You don't expect like a typical romance movie to like poke fun at romance tropes, even though like we all know what romance tropes are, and or because like that's like how we perceive romance. But horror movies, like I don't know, there's just something different about them. The vibes are different. Yeah, that's the whole point. They're just the vibes are different. They're just there to have a good time and make you think about different things. To you, what do you think? Like we've talked about like horror in general, but like. What defines teen horror to you? Like, is there like a tangible difference then between teen horror and, you know, like regular horror? Maybe not like a huge difference. Um, Like there definitely can be because sometimes you can see when a movie like a horror movie is meant more so to scare teens and then also to scare adults who watch it. But it's more centered around the teenage experience. Um, But... I honestly feel like they all kind of just blend really well together as a genre too, where I can, where even when I was a teenager watching horror movies with 30 year olds, 30 year old adults, I was like, man, I can relate to this. Like, this is interesting. I'm attached to these characters. And I often didn't feel that way about adults in media when I was a teenager. I was just kind of like, I don't care about these adults. I'm a teen. Why should I give a crap about them? But then when it came to horror movies, I really enjoyed seeing adults. But um, I feel like they kind of all blend well together. But you can also still see a difference with teen movies where they also want to bring up what's it like to be a teenager and um, what issues are teenagers dealing with and their emotions and going through puberty and different things. And they'll touch on those topics still, but also have a horror scary thing going on at the same time (laughs) horror is a very good like add-on to like the coming of age genre but like i do agree like you know for for a lot of movies just like you can relate to these characters regardless of age because like i was in a screenwriting class i'm gonna keep mentioning screenwriting classes and being like that annoying person about it i think the professor said like the best way to get you to empathize with the character is to show them like struggling against something because like we want to see characters that are active that are just like trying that are like trying their best like against you outside forces because like you know regardless of like where we are that's kind of the state that we're all in so like and you know horror what is it if not characters struggling against these forces that they very much cannot control literally they are just struggling out there it it is brutal out here. I wish I could play copyrighted music on this podcast. I, I can't. But speaking of it's brutal out here, um, that song, <laughs> Brutal by Olivia Rodrigo, they just came out with a trailer for the I Know What You Did Last Summer TV yeah. series. And that song was playing in the trailer. God, is it really brutal out here? And also, it's full of teen horror revivals out here because you know, everything's yeah. an adaptation these days. We've got I Know What You Did Last Summer. We've got Fear Street. We've got MTE Scream a few years back. And might I say, uh, a little bit of ahead of its time because everyone's doing teen horror these days. 
Yeah, they're like constantly doing um, remakes with horror, which honestly, I enjoy watching the remakes for horror movies. I know some people are like, oh, it's not as good as the original. I'm like, okay. And so I don't want it to be as good as the original. I want to watch some crazy mess happen. And that's the whole point of the remake. (laughs) Um, And sometimes they actually can be really good. Honestly, I've watched a lot of remakes of horror movies that have been really good. And I'm like, you know, this is practically on the same level as the original, in my opinion, at least. So other genres will sometimes do remakes of things where it's just kind of like, okay, can you come up with something new? But the horror fandom, we just really love our good old slashers. And seeing those people come back and just start doing some slashing. (laughs) Sometimes you don't need new stuff. Sometimes you just need to watch people get people get murdered and then yeah. someone a final girl kill a murderer and that's fine that's all you need yeah. like there are no original stories out there like you can claim possibly so many movies are remakes or at least inspired by an older classic movie which honestly i think is okay that's how things keep progressing honestly like you can even say movies early movies could have been inspired by different books that people read and the books were inspired by other books and it just keeps going on back through human history. So it's all a remake. Time is a circle. We're a snake eating each other. It's all a remake. Right now we're living in a remake. I don't know how to explain that, but we are. We're getting existential on this podcast. (laughs) This is now like an existential podcast. We're talking about the meaning of life and life is a remake and that's fine. It's okay. It's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to the Existential Crisis podcast. Back on the rails now. So like one thing I definitely wanted to go back to was the idea of like, you know, that kind of like gateway horror stuff like Scooby-Doo, the Adam family that you talked about. Yeah. I, I, I feel like gateway horror is fascinating to me because again, I am a little baby. I cannot handle scares. I'm trying to work myself up to handle scares. I tried to watch Midnight Mass on Netflix few weeks ago could not handle I still haven't watched the last episode and it kept me up all night but gateway horrors gateway horror is very fun I think it has a possibility to tell really great stories even if like you know the scares aren't as good mm-hmm. yeah I just I think that teen horror does very well at being gateway horror because gate because like you know it's aimed at like an audience that may or may not have grown up with horror and like may or may not be like actually as experienced with this? I don't know. What are your thoughts yeah. on what makes good gateway horror? Because I know that you want to talk about it too. <laughs> um, so honestly, I would even consider the Fear Street movies to be gateway horror for sure. Um, based off like a lot of the horror that I watch for fun. I'm like, this is this is mild. And then I see other people's responses. I'm like, oh, my bad. <laughs> um like, I thought this was just a mild little movie for gateway getting into the horror genre. Um, and I know some people are like, oh, my gosh, this is a lot. But um, so I feel like it's even subjective in that way of like, what really is gateway horror? Back to the essentials stuff now. <laughs> um, and um, I feel like gateway horror is just really fun to get into the genre and really understand things because with Fear Street, even though I have like a couple issues with it as a franchise and everything. One thing I will say is if you haven't watched much horror, 
watching these movies really gets you into the genre. So it can show you like what horror is about and how it can really change the farther you venture into it. Um, Cause even the fear street movies. So wait, okay. So one thing with horror that I have noticed is it often likes to make social statements or political statements. And even fear street kind of does that in my opinion with, you know, the rich town and the poor town and how the poor town is really um, going through it, honestly. And the rich people are just happy. It's like, what, what is it? Like Sunnydale and Shady Sunnydale and Shady Side. Yeah. Very so, on the nose names. Yeah. Very on the nose, which is why I'm like, this is very like obvious what they are doing it's with camp. this. It's fine. It's not camp. Everything's camp if you just believe. <laughs> But, yeah, so, like, they even kind of start making those political statements. And then as you start venturing out further into the horror franchise, you can start seeing, oh, this is actually in a lot of these movies. Except they may make it less obvious in their film, where you have to really be paying close attention. Like, what is happening right now? What is the reasoning behind these characters or these villains? What is happening in these movies And then it's like, oh, this is a political statement or a statement on the social climate or changes in society, especially with like 70s horror movies. You can see how they're like going through it, honestly, with changes happening in the American uh, government, the American world, especially with the hippie movement and a lot of suburban people being like, oh, my gosh, the hippies are ruining America. And then you can see a lot of horror movies at the time kind of making statements on that, which is interesting to watch. Toby Hooper, who created the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, he's even he had even stated at one point that it was a take on American society at the time and the failures of capitalism and the Vietnam War and the hippie movement in the U.S. and protests happening and um It was about how the uh, Sawyer family were working at a um, slaughterhouse um, and then they lost their jobs due to automation. They started blaming it on the youth, the teenagers. They're ruining this world. You know, those gosh darn hippies are just destroying everything good about America. And so they blame the teenagers and then they become evil cannibals. It's like taking your worst fears and just making them even worse. (laughs) Um, So the family become cannibals. They start killing people. They kill teenagers. And um, then in actuality, as he even said, it's capitalism that has ruined their lives. But they don't realize that because they've been fed something else by the government. So it's just kind of like an interesting way of taking that that you wouldn't necessarily realize watching the movie because there's like, lots of horror scary moments you don't really think like oh so the family lost their jobs the extremes of this craziness leaves them to this and then there's a bunch of murder and you don't think like oh this is all because they lost their whole careers and now they're completely broke and have nothing left to live for and they blame the youth it's just kind of like what you see today with like adults blaming the youth anything that's what capitalism is just pitting people against each other so they don't know who the real enemy is it's like they just keep blaming each other and then 
I thought that was interesting too when I first read that. And then, um, cause I've always noticed like kind of the politicalness or the social comments in the Texas Chainsaw um, Massacre franchise, just because I really enjoy those movies. So one of the first horror movies I actually watched was the 2003 remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is why I'm also like, um, remakes can be good, actually, because I love that remake. I think it is so fun. But um, I've watched like basically all the movies in the franchise. I love them all. And then if you keep watching them, you can see even in um, newer movies how they are still bringing up the same statement about the world around us and the government, but you don't really necessarily see it as much in the later movies because they're not really trying to make that big of a comment or make it as obvious. But I'm like, I can still see it. I can still see this happening. I can see what you're going for. Yeah. And like one about the one thing I like about horror movies is that like a lot of times we don't like to be like spoon fed a message. But yeah. but horror movies, it's very easy to like, you know, disguise that message because you can just cover it in like a bunch of gore and jump scares. And just like people will be distracted enough to like not notice the message until like they walk out of the theater and be like, Yeah, that movie was meaningful. It scared the pants off of me, but yes, that was an extremely meaningful experience. And I think that's fun. I think horror is a very fun genre to um, play with and come up with different ways to comment on anything happening around the world. Um, and it's just like a fun way of playing with things. I know I keep saying that, but it's just fun. It's yeah. just entertaining. It's very yeah. different from like other movies where they're making it very obvious what the movie is about, which I really like those kind of movies too. I'm not going to lie. But it's also just fun watching horror where you can understand what they're talking about. But then they also give you a fun little horror. And lots, sometimes typically with slashers, there's lots of deaths and lots of gore and different things. And the creator really gets to play around with what they're showing you. Sometimes people have to die so that you learn a moral lesson. And that's fun. Yeah. Horror, is fun. horror is very fun because I was reading up and it was just like horror movies are like one of like the few genres outside of you know like mainstream like superhero movies that still like generate significant ticket sales at the box office which is incredible to me because like you yeah. wouldn't think of horror movies as like this big draw especially because you know there aren't like as there aren't like these tentpole horror franchises as there are with like some other stuff but horror movies they're still a big draw i mean like netflix is on like this whole ya kick now and they're like pivoting towards like horror movies so, like, you know, they had Fear Street um, this past summer. And, like, I think it'll be out by this time this episode comes out because we pre-record. But they at adapted um, Stephanie Perkins' book, There's Someone Inside Your House, about, like, a serial killer targeting teens in Nebraska. Horror movies will never die because people continually love them. And I know Netflix is also doing yet another Texas Chainsaw movie that they're, well, they're releasing it. I think it was filmed elsewhere in the Netflix bought the rights to it but it's going to be on netflix which will be fun in my opinion yeah. and i love that streaming services are bringing about um horror movies a lot too and then something else you had mentioned about how horror movies still have lots and lots of people coming to watch them in theaters and selling out making lots of money um it used to not be like that at all like you would go to watch a horror movie 
way back in the day like i think like 60s and 50s when it was kind of like why are you wanting to watch this like what is wrong with you as a person and so i was reading about this the other day too and it's like people would feel ashamed to go watch horror movies because people would see them walking into that theater and be like judging them like why are you about to go watch this like you have problems like, i don't want to associate with you and so then it became a huge thing where horror movies started being direct to VHS movies. So that way you don't have to have that whole experience. You just go buy your VHS and watch it at home. So that's when horror started really um, becoming huge. And lots of people started getting into it because there's no longer that shame of watching horror. And then it just kept going and going. And now people will go to movie theaters without feeling ashamed for watching a horror movie, which I think is awesome. Like any other genre, it's like, it ebbs and flows like you know they're they're like up years and they're like i was doing research on like horror ya books in general and one thing yeah. i found fascinating was like you know fear street like for those who don't know like the fear street books were just like this gigantic franchise book franchise before it was movies so like for a period in the 90s like there were new fear street books coming out like every single month because people were kind of obsessed with them but like around the time of like the early 2000s, it kind of stopped because like around that time because of like Harry Potter and stuff, you know, fantasy was becoming more popular and horror was um, falling out of favor. But like over the but like these past few years, you know, like I think there were, I think like Arl Stein went back to writing the Fear Street books, I think sometime in like 2014 because people kept asking about him, kept asking him like, when are there going to be more books? Yeah. Um, because like they were because like you know there's still an audience there because like times change and s s things change in favor but what's fascinating is that i was reading them it's just like back in like the 90s like the books were like novella size right so they they were a lot shorter but now like because the times have changed like he he said in an interview that he was like making the books longer and like more violent because like what passed as scary like 20 years ago is not as scary now books definitely got me into horror um too so i remember i would um i never really read much of his writing for some reason i don't know why um i know i read like a lot of ghost stories and different things at the local library and then in high school i'd read a lot of young adult horror at the um, school library anytime I'd bring like a horror book home my mom would like freak out so I learned to just like never show her what I was reading I would just like leave it at the library or in my locker or something and just like read it in my free time at school and I just really got into the genre that way too because I think they're just fun even the young adult horror books um, I remember there's this one I think it also helped me get into like monster horror is one of my favorite genres <laughs> I can't remember what it was called but it was about these teenagers and they were being hunted by a snow monster and I just thought it was a really fun time um, because they were going through all the typical teenager drama puberty relationships with your other um, friends romantic relationships relationship with parents every and also just growing up but then there's just a snow monster hunting them at the same time. So I was like, this is awesome. This is fun. I'm getting to still um, 
really care about the characters and understand what they're going through as teenagers, but also there's a snow monster. So that's cool. (laughs) And that's fine. You know what? We love a snow monster. We love a good monster. We do love a good monster. I love monsters. They're so fun, especially when they're bad. When it's a bad monster movie, now that's perfection. Yeah, I love bad monster movies. But like going back to the topic of like why horror, like yeah. I like I got to thinking, oh, like what's my first experience with horror? For some reason, my first thought went to like the first why horror thing or like horror thing in general that I actively watched was like Happy Death Day. But then mm-hmm. like, but as we've been talking, I was just like, no, that wasn't it. I remember reading a YA horror book when I was in high school. I just like didn't register it as horror. It was about this girl and her group of friends. And like they, and there's like this demon and like they kind of joined this demon cult for like popularity and stuff. Zendaya was in the book trailer for it. So that's why I read it. Um, I don't remember the title. I was obsessed with it though. And I, and the thing about like why a horror for me is kind of like like gateway horror it was scary but i didn't even like register it as horror because i was so like horror has to like make me not be able to sleep but i'm perfectly fine i'm having such a fun time reading this book i love it yeah yeah exactly that's the whole point of it you're just having a fun time maybe you'll be freaked out or scared a bit Maybe sometimes you'll just be not necessarily scared, just in shock, like, oh my God, what is happening? Which is just like a fun feeling. And then also where you're like, oh, this is kind of freaking me out. I can't go to sleep. Let me keep reading more so I can continue not sleeping. Horror is very good for messing up your sleep schedule in the best way. Yes. Yeah. Although typically for me, it's just I keep watching more horror movies until like 3 a.m. And then I'm like, oh no, it's 3 a.m. and I've just watched like five movies, five horror movies. And I'm like, oh, I need to go to bed. So that's like the opposite for me at this point as an adult from when I was a teenager. I'd be like too freaked out to go to sleep. And now I'm like, let me just continue watching one after one after one. I used to be like like that too. But um, I would, yeah. it was this weird thing where like I didn't watch horror movies because it, my parents just didn't do it but I was like still interested yeah. in like those trailers I would sing online so I would just like go on my phone and um, like read descriptions for horror movies and I would like do that constantly just like for one thing if you're reading something it's less I feel like for me it was not as easy to get scared because yeah. you have that like kind of distance but also reading is fun whether it's a wikipedia description or a book highly recommend yeah. Yeah, my my parents weren't really big on horror either, which is why I was always like sneaking around watching and reading things. So I get that completely. It's like, but yeah, it's just it's fun just reading the Wikipedia descriptions because I also did that because I also would read Wikipedia descriptions and articles about horror movies I saw trailers for because I'd be like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble if I watch this. So I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to read the description about the movie and read the whole plot line. That way I know everything that happens and who dies and how they die and everything. And I was like, this is entertaining enough for me. And so now I like often try to remember what those movies were. And I go back and actually watch them now, which I've been doing a lot of this year, which has been really fun. So I'm like, I already know what's going to happen. I read the whole Wikipedia article about the movie. But it's fun to actually get to see it happen. Especially if you're like a scaredy cat like me, like knowing how something ends beforehand can be really helpful and just like emotionally preparing yourself for like all the scary stuff that happens like if you're wanting to get into like if you're wanting to you know 
dive into the horror world, like invest in some reading quality, reading time, just you on Wikipedia, like watch some gateway yeah. horror stuff. I completely agree. Like one thing I do whenever I am able to convince my mom to watch a horror movie with me, I will tell her when characters die, how they die before we even press play on the movie. So that way she can just know what's going to happen and remember that and isn't as freaked out by it because she's just like absolutely terrified of horror. So it's just like, I understand how it is super comforting for people to just know what's going to happen ahead of time. So that way you can just enjoy the movie and the experience. We've talked a lot about, you know, like horror stuff we've seen in the past, like, but the horror genre is like always evolving. So like, you know, what do you want to see as like specifically horror, the genre, but also like, the horror genre as with respect to like you know teen movies if well how do you want to see them evolve in the future i want more remakes no <laughs> um i i feel like that's going in a really great direction right now especially with i know what you did last summer and scream um and they're even doing things like i said with the texas chainsaw um movies and i feel like it's just going in a really great direction oh and then there's also been they're still continuing to do more Saw movies. Um, there's that new Candyman movie, which I'm hoping to see soon. I just didn't want to go to a theater <laughs> um, currently. But um, I feel like it's just all going in a really great direction right now. Um, they're just bringing back the genre to what it used to be in like the 90s and 2000s when it was really fun and campy. Didn't often take itself too seriously, but still serious enough to make it scary for you and I just I'm excited that it just keeps getting more fun yeah we're, we're having like a like a re-renaissance kind of yeah it's like all these like things that were popular in the 90s are coming back you know fear streets back there are fear street books again although I don't think one was published this year but there was one, I think there was one in 2019 or 2020 I've been seeing some more horror books on the bookshelf lately maybe yeah. because it's October but I'm going to pretend it's because horror is having a big old comeback. Like, fuck the dystopia genre. It's horror's time now, baby. Yesterday, I went to Barnes & Noble because I just had, like, um, well, of course, we're pre-recording. So yesterday is a couple weeks ago for y'all listening. But um, I went to Barnes & Noble after work because I was, like, super stressed out. And then I got to see all the horror books that they have on display, like, in the middle and between aisles. They have, like, entire little sections. Like, look at these awesome young adult horror books and look at all these um horror adult horror books and just different things i was like oh this is so fun i know it's because it's october i'm gonna pretend it's not and i'm just gonna have a really fun time checking out each of these books and i even bought a couple to make myself happy and i even discovered a book that in the adult horror section that i didn't expect to see it was a shark horror sci-fi type book about the megalodon and i was like and it came out in like the 90s or the first book came out in like 1999 or something like that and i was like how have i never heard of this before like this is this is right up my alley this is what i like to see more of and so i had to like try and see if my local library had it they do not they don't have any of the books they have the first book on audio but that's it what a shame i know possibly the best book series out there. 
Um, I'm like, man, if Barnes and Noble just didn't put this book on their like adult horror display, I would have never known of its existence. And now I need to find all of the books and read them all. I'm I need to do this in my life. Also, um, just bring it back. I looked up what book I was talking about earlier. Um, so the book where with the girls and the cult demon is part of a trilogy. Um, this first book is Bad Girls Don't Die. The second book is From Bad to Cursed. And the third book is As Dead as It Gets. Um, Zendaya stars in the book trailer for book two. And Well Thorne stars in the book trailer for book three. So the books are all by Katie Allender. I have not read them in years. If they are bad and I've just been wrong about like remembering them fondly, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Um, but yeah, sorry. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to leave, leave this podcast with, um, loose ends so I just had to like look it up and remember as I was talking yeah and this is making me I found the book a while back ago that I had been talking about I just can't remember the name but it had bone in it so I'm like looking for it and I searched up bad girls don't die so I was like because when you were first describing it I was like this sounds very familiar to me then you said the title I was like oh this definitely sounds familiar to me I found the book cover when I googled it and I'm like oh I also read these books and loved them. Again, I don't remember anything about them, so. But I also remember just having a good time. If you like and, goth GF and jock BF, that's yeah, <laughs> that's what I remember. I remember the romance. God, I like most of the books I read um, as a teen. I can't remember anything about them because I was just like any book that looked remotely interesting to me. I just immediately start reading it I was like I don't care what this is about I'm gonna read it and find out and uh this is reminding me of all the books I read oh, I can't believe we both read the same book oh my gosh awesome. crazy also like I feel like as a teenager like I you know like that movie theater effect where like every movie you watch in a theater is like your favorite movie yeah every book I wrote was my favorite book for like a for like a month yeah exactly and I also found the book I was talking about and it's called bone chiller again I don't remember much about it except I liked it so take our recommendations the grain of salt <laughs> but if you like um, the books tell us if you don't like it yes. you know it's not it's not gonna have any effect so yeah it's not gonna bother us <laughs> you want our book and club? then we don't have a book yeah. club, but if, if you want one, we can start one. We're starting one right now. Yeah. We're just going to talk about books we read and long ago that we don't remember and then just call it a day. First book on the list, Bone Chiller. <laughs> yeah. um, then I remember I also read um, The Diviners. Uh, they came out, I think the first one came out right when I graduated high school or my first year of college. I can't remember. Um, I can Google it, actually. Hold on. Oh, my God. I My time frame, my brain does not work. This came out in 2012. I was fully still in high school. Okay. Um, I did not graduate till 2015. Time does not exist to me. But I remember reading the first two books. I never finished the series. And I have my reasons for why I never finished it. Because the third book really upset me for a while and I was like I'm not gonna finish this I never finished the third book never bothered to read the fourth but I still enjoy the very first book I think it's a good read and I still read it sometimes but it's um more of like a supernatural horror-esque 
young adult book and it takes place in the 1920s and you have um, these young adults, teenagers just living life in the 20s in New York City and dealing with supernatural creatures and um, it's just a fun time honestly but eh, I don't recommend the whole series because clearly I didn't finish it but I still really enjoyed the first book because it also got me into horror when I was that age because I thought it was interesting I was like oh my gosh there's a boogeyman which oh another thing about like teen horror is boogeymen they are everywhere because you can even say like in fear street um sarah fear is actually the boogeyman or at least they think she is for like the first two movies you know until you get to the again spoilers until you get to the third and you realize what's actually happening but it's like she's this boogeyman to the teenagers and the kids in town where it's like oh anytime anything bad happens it's because of sarah fear um she's haunting this town she's killing kids she's the reason she's like possessing children and making them murder other teenagers and adults and different things um so it's like she's the actual boogeyman in my opinion and um because they have like this whole lore and background about her and they talk about her a lot throughout the first and second movie and everything about her history and how she was this witch who cursed the town or whatever it was. I can't really remember much, but I'm like, she's the boogeyman in this situation because she's one who scares the children and the teenagers. And that's something you see a lot of in uh, teen horror is you have this boogeyman and even like nightmare on Elm street, which is one of my favorite movies has the boogeyman in it. Who's Freddy Krueger, but yeah, I mean like, having a boogeyman is always just like an easy way to um like you know personify like these anxieties that people have and yeah. just like turn it into a character that can be easily fought against because like horror movies at the end of the day like they're you know you kind of get emotional catharsis from them because the characters they are able to often beat whatever is hunting them down or hurting them and like mm-hmm. that is a stand-in for like our own personal worries or our own like fears and stuff. And like seeing that happen, even if there's a lot of death involved, can be really engaging and really impactful for some people. I also think it's just so one thing I was thinking of when it comes to Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, Fear Street. Oh gosh, both streets and their names. Um, I can kind of like see a similarity with how the teenagers are going through the usual teenager shit um user usual teenager things um relationships with them uh, other teens with their parents although in fear street you never really get to see the parents which kind of sucks but you know that the main characters have issues with i think their dad i can't remember i don't know but it's still kind of briefly brought up and then they're having relationships with romance And they're also teenagers who are realizing like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a grown up soon and I'm going to be going to college and I'm going to have to get a job and a career and everything like that, which is very daunting and scary. And so then you start thinking about your adolescence as a kid and you start thinking about that boogeyman, which in Nightmare on Elm Street is Freddy Krueger. In Fear Street, again, they think it's Sarah Fear course we know it's not but they all think that she's the boogeyman the villain of this story and 
it's just kind of fun to me when I was just thinking about these two movies in this way. Cause I was like, I can actually kind of see similarities with this, with how the teenagers are portrayed, how they're dealing with um, loss, especially with the first, with first, um, with nightmare on Elm street, the lead girl, Nancy is dealing with the loss of her best friend who was just killed by Freddy Krueger. And then in the Fear Street movies, you have the teenagers dealing with the fact that one of their high school classmates was just killed. So now as teens, they're having to possibly deal with death, death for the first time in their lives. And it's just interesting to watch horror, especially teen horror, take that that sort of route. Um, because it's just interesting because it also helps teens who are watching it be like, oh, I'm dealing with death. Here's a horror movie that also has teenagers dealing with death and loss of their friends and family. And that's something we all need to process eventually. And why not yeah. process it through like the safety and comfort of your favorite horror movie? Exactly. And um, yeah, so when I was just like thinking about each of the two movies, I just kept noticing similarities between them with how they created the movies while I do, again, still have, like, some issues with Fear Street. They're definitely not one of my favorite movies out there. I do enjoy 1978 a lot. Summer camp slashers are really fun. They are. I'm just very biased. I think they're just always a fun time. I don't care what happens. I'm like, oh, this is a summer camp slasher? It's already good. (laughs) Doesn't matter. I haven't even watched it yet. It's a good movie. But, yeah, I, I can just, like, see some of the similarities with teenagers dealing with being a teenager. And thinking about their adolescence, their childhood, their boogeyman, and then processing the fact that they're going to be going to college or getting a job very soon. And that's a very scary, daunting thing. So then you have this boogeyman hunting you down. Because growing up is scary, but it it feels a lot less scary once you've, you know, defeated evil. Exactly. When you are able to realize like this is just a boogeyman what are they gonna do kill me okay (laughs) so um and you're able to just move on it just it's fun it's a interesting way to look at in my opinion coming of age stories and horror on that note um that's all my questions for today you know ending on a good spot so um in a regular episode we'd have the regular old lightning round but since this is a very special halloween episode um we're gonna play a little game KJ, I'm going to give you a logline or short description for two Fear Street books that I got from Wikipedia or TV Tropes, one of which is real and one of which I made up. And it's your job oh to tell me which one it is. KJ, are you ready? This is, yeah, this is perfect, too, because I've never read those books. So this will be fun. I've never read them either, but my cousin used to like have them. So I'd like read the description. Keep in mind, I was like yeah. in elementary school. So scared the shit out of me. All right. Um, round one. First one the wrong number. Dina and Jay learn the consequences of prank calls when Dina's half-brother, Chuck, dials a wrong number and catches the attention of a murderer. Number two, the mailbox. After moving to Shadyside, Sam begins receiving cryptic letters telling her to leave her new home or else. I feel like the first one, I feel like the first one's real. The first one is real. Round two, first book, The Dream Boy, Allison Jones has dreamed of 
Jeff Gilroy becoming her boyfriend since kindergarten, but when he asks her out and begins bringing her strange gifts, she worries he may be preparing her for a dark fate. Number two, the sleepwalker. Nara Barnes suspects her new boss, old Mrs. Collar, may be a witch and cast a spell on her to make Mara sleepwalk, leading her to increasing peril. Those both sound interesting. Uh, I'm going to say the first one again. I don't The second one is the real one. You know, uh, witch causes girls to sleepwalk. Fun time for everyone. So true. Round three. Number one, the cheater. Desperate to pass Map, Carter Phillips convinces Map with Adam to take a test for her in exchange for one date. But is one date enough for Adam? Dawn. Number two, the election. Emily thinks that becoming class president will ensure that she gets into her dream school. But what happens when, when her fellow candidates get killed off one by one and everyone suspects her? I feel like the first one again. It is true. Yeah, you're right. You're okay. Right. All right. Yes, perfect. I'm like, I'm just guessing one each time. That's going to be the pattern. Final round. Number one mm-hmm. is the confession. After one of her friends confesses to a murder, Julie decides to keep his secret. She's sure he won't kill again. Or would he? Dun, dun, dun. Number two, the dog. All Zach has ever wanted is a dog. But when his family adopts a Labrador, not all is what it seems. Ooh, I did see a lot of those books with dogs on them, and the dogs look kind of spooky. But I don't know. I, I'm going to say the dog one, the second. The dog is the dog is fake. I made up the dog. All right. Well, um, you passed with two out of four. That's a fifty percent on. That's basically a coin flip. I'm I'm proud of you, regardless. Thank you, especially because I've never read any of these book descriptions or anything so i'm like i think i did pretty good 50 percent i've never read the books either there's just like so many i was like yes we're going to do this as a mini game okay jay do you have any last words for our audience anything you'd like to promote um no (laughs) um let's see what's your favorite horror movie um I can't think of any right now. I'm, I got to throw it just because like the sentimental value. Um, My favorite horror movie is Happy Death Day. It's just a fun little campy ride. I love character development and I love romance. Yeah. I mean, I still, if that's your favorite, that's your favorite. You don't have to be like, oh, well, I'm sure I have a different one. So I'm like, sometimes your favorite one is just the goofiest one that you like. And I think that's always fun. So I'm like, yeah, that's a good choice. Don't be taking that back just say that's your favorite one (laughs) but yeah um do I have anything to promote um no because I have nothing going on besides my cat pictures so that's it when I tweet about this podcast you better send some cat pictures underneath okay I will I will log on to my twitter and send so many pictures of my cats from underneath it like just way too many you're gonna be like please stop it's gonna be like 50 tweets later there is no such thing as too many cat pictures (laughs) okay perfect i expect them to get at least one retweet each everyone get on it someone out there you better be doing this retweet those fucking cats it's required now actually till you get to the next episode to come out you have to actually retweet all of the cat pictures it's a requirement. Thank you for so much for coming on, KJ. It's been Thank wonderful you. having you. Um, as a reminder, everyone, episodes drop every other Thursday. Please give this podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you're into that sort of thing. 
And until next time, I'm Mia, reminding you that with your help, we can turn every final girl into a final girl boss. <laughs>